Kia ora, I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly and today on The Detail, the clouds hanging over weather forecasts. I'm pretty sick of the cold and I bet you are too. And actually just in time for the weekend, we do I'm get here in Marston, we're seeing it just gradually finds up throughout the day. And Napier's looking like a sunny day all day. So highs getting to the mid-twenties in some places around the inland part of the South Island. One day, three weather forecasts. Spot the difference? Well, one's the privately owned weather watch. The other two are Met Service and Niwa that use two lots of taxpayer money to put out similar daily forecasts. Weatherwatch has been complaining for 10 years that it can't get the government-funded data from them without paying hundreds of thousands of dollars. And now there's an investigation. Med Service and Niwa are at the centre of a Commerce Commission investigation. It comes after claims that the government-funded weather forecasters are being anti-competitive and pushing their prices up too high for anyone else to access rain radars. I started doing this podcast to figure out what's behind that investigation. Into two potential breaches of the Commerce Act by Met Service and Niwa. One concerning practices substantially lessening competition and another for taking advantage of market power. But the deeper I went into it, another big question came up. Why are taxpayers paying twice for the same product? We don't have two fire services. We don't have two justice departments. We don't have two corrections organisations or conservation departments. But we have two weather forecasting organisations. And the reason for that has not been fully answered. Murray Boardman's a former environmental scientist and the only independent weather expert who would agree to explain to me how the weather business works. Having two government departments basically providing a single service is is strange, it is unique. Murray reckons the weather forecasting double-up is a much bigger issue than anti-competitive behaviour, not just because of the tens of millions of taxpayer dollars that go into funding Met Service and NIWA for their forecasts. My deepest concern is that while the Met Service currently is authorised to provide um, public forecasting services to New Zealand and provide storm warnings and storm alerts, that there will come a time, and it will guarantee that just the nature of forecasting, that it is possible that the two agencies could have divergent forecasts at a time when when it won't be beneficial to New Zealanders. And until that's fixed, he says, the so-called anti-competitive behaviour won't be resolved. So I'm going to explore both these issues, why Met Service and NIWA both put out weather forecasts, and the stoush over free access to weather data. And for that, I'm off to see Philip Duncan. Hello. Hello. Nice, nice to, to meet you. you. Oh, oh, thank Sharon, you. He's the co-owner and frontman of Weatherwatch, one of a number of private weather forecasters. If you thought the weather business was about satellites and high technology, you wouldn't know it from the outside. No, no, exactly. <laughs> Just a residential home. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Come on in. Thank Please you. Please I'll shut this so there's no noise. This, so, is, this is all the studio is. It's very small. And okay, so it's, it's like we're in a in a bedroom. Pretty that's much, just a spare room. Spare room, okay. The camera got... goes up on the tripod there. Yeah, and that's like a, a, a cupboard yeah, uh, with the, the door off, and then it's surrounded by black cloth. It just looks like you've ripped it off. You haven't even that's tried right. to tidy up the You don't edges. need to because no one sees that. And that, all that was done was to stop the... Because we've got a proper television big screen. Yeah. We didn't go down the track of a green screen, which most people do, and we do that because I want to be able to see what I'm looking at. Yeah. And I want to be able to look and point my finger and actually touch on the screen 
precisely what I'm talking about. Yeah. And so this big screen works really well. I mean, even an iPhone could be used to film it, although we do use a, a proper camera, but right. it's simplistic. And then what happens when you're finished recording? Where does it go? Right, yeah, so when it's finished recording, it goes into Google Drive, and then our team at TWR Media, who are in um, the city, mm. they mix it down for us in the mornings. And I upload that onto YouTube and we put that out onto uh, to Weatherwatch. You know, we, we've invested a little bit into this. I mean, it's, it's sure, it's simple the way we've done it, but the, the quality was important. We, we, it had to look television quality and we're still not there yet, but we're getting there. The idea of having it here in the house was that we could get into doing live videos when storms hit. Mm. And and we're not there yet because we need more data from the government, but we're nearly there. And that's kind of what this fight is about, isn't it? It is. Okay. It all starts from there. So this has been going on for years. I mean, you told me over the phone that you've been trying to get journalists to tell the story for a long time. Yeah. Very long time, since 2000 and I think about eight or nine was the first time I went to a reporter and said, there's something funny going on here. And they they were very confused about it. And to be honest with you, fast forward a decade and not a lot's changed. More interest now because we've been been able to get the Commerce Commission to publicly say something that, you know, for a long time we've known behind the scenes, there's a lot of interest in this. Mm. We've never met a politician that disagrees with us on both sides of the aisle. Well, here we are, you know, several years on and still nothing has changed. And it all boils down to money. It's, it's all about money. Katrina bears down on the Mississippi Delta. Stay with us for the latest in-depth analysis. It was Hurricane Katrina that inspired Philip, a radio sales manager, to get into the weather business. Live reports from the field. Weather experts, meteorologists and hurricane hunters telling you what's happening, why it's happening and what's next. When Hurricane Katrina made landfall, and as I say, I was working in radio, uh, I had a laptop which was showing the rain radar in New Orleans, showing this amazing storm coming in. And welcome back, everyone. We are in Storm Alert here at the Weather Channel. I'm Kim Perez. And I was watching it all day while I was just doing my normal work. And people were increasingly standing around me to the point that at the end of the afternoon, I can remember about 10 or 15 people standing around me watching this animated loop of a rain radar and for a storm on the other side of the world. Well, for more than a day and a half, the big concern has been getting out of the path of the storm. We trust you are out of harm's way this morning. And I thought, wow, that's missing from New Zealand. We don't have a place where everyone stands around and watches a website or a certain place to see a storm, a tropical cyclone coming in or a southern ocean blast. I went to Met Service and said, hey, could I get the radar? And suddenly they were like, no, you have to pay for that. And I was like, but don't we already pay for that? No. <laughs> so what were you looking at at the time? So I was looking at the American rain radar from right. from the US government. You had uh, free access to that? Absolutely free access, whether I was going directly to the US government or to private companies in America using the data from the US government. Either way, it was completely free. Mm. Um, come back to New Zealand, Met Service pushed back and said, well, we're free. You have to go to our website. And I said, but... That sounds a little third world, that, that you have to go to a .govt or a, or a government-owned agency website to look at the weather. You can't go to your favourite private website. Whatever news outlet you, you want to go to, you should have that sort of information. It's tax-funded. You so, went to them and you said, I want to access some of your yeah, uh, data. That's already publicly available. That's already publicly available for my own private yeah. weather forecasting service. Based on demand, because the public were demanding 
another uh, alternative. They, they okay. wanted a, they wanted someone else that, you know, when the warnings were coming out, they wanted someone to say whether those warnings were going to happen. Because how many times do we get a false alarm? You know, so it was, it was about sort of making sense of why you get false alarms. You know, we get it wrong. MetService gets it wrong. What, what matters is why you got it wrong and explaining that to people. Yeah. And that's something that I've always done. And I often find that people really actually enjoy the process of figuring out why you were wrong. Sometimes you're wrong just because you were wrong. But most of the time you're wrong because the front just arrived an hour late or a few hours late. And so instead of a wet Saturday, it was a wet night. Uh-huh. And no one cared because it was nighttime by then. Yeah. And so they all say your Saturday forecast was wrong. So having the radar and building that data into your forecast means we can be more accurate than ever before. We're saying if you're going to keep the Met Service NEWA um, system going as it's been since the early 1990s, mm. it's a little bit like trying to keep United Video and Civic Video going when we're Netflix and we're saying this can be done much easier, more freely, share data, don't hold on to it like we're Russia and China, but actually share it and let everyone innovate, including my own competitors. Not just It doesn't just help me. This, this gives me a lot more competition, but I'm confident with that. Labour Weekend is upon us. Hello, I'm Philip Duncan. Thanks for joining us. Do you have any training as a weather forecaster? No, um, I've self-trained, which sounds like uh, you know, like a used car salesman, I guess. But as a little boy, I was obsessed with the weather. From five, six years old, I would ring my friends up the road to work out when the shower was coming. I was reading books about clouds when I was seven or eight. You don't have to be uh, a trained meteorologist to, to be the guy like me who's the communicator. What exactly do you want? Basically, we want the data that we all fund, you, myself, the listeners, uh, that data that we all collectively fund, I want it to be open access. That means the rain radar and current weather observations, anyone can look at them and anyone can use them. You can build an app, you can compete with WeatherWatch and make something that's really, really awesome. Do you want it for free? Yes, because we're already, well, no, not free, we're already paying for it. We don't well, want to be charged again. Yeah. Okay, so I guess some people would and say... maybe a fee. You could add a small fee if you think it's, there's an admin cost in there that needs to be covered. Not a problem. But at the moment, they're price gouging on something that no one's using to keep themselves in power. And I can't find one example anywhere else in New Zealand where that happens. But wouldn't some people argue, why should you make money from something that you get for free? Well, why should you be allowed to use a road? Why can you drive to work for free if, to, to run a business? I mean, what's the difference? You fund it through your taxes, you get to drive on it. We fund the rain radar. Met Service keeps saying, well, you can see it for free on our website. And I'm saying, but there are other people who want to use it to help the economy. So whether I make a profit off it or not isn't the point, because I might not make a big profit off it. There's not necessarily huge money in observations. Mm. They're holding on to that for power reasons, not, I don't think, for commercial reasons. Um, so not all of it makes money. That's the point. You know, weather observations don't make money. Rain radar saves lives. I, I find it weird that those are things people are wanting us to pay for rather than their hard work and all the people they hire who produce their forecasts. That, to me, has the value and should be worth whatever they want to charge for it. Where do you make your money then? Thankfully, through um, uh, private contracts. So with um, you know, power utilities and some media outlets, and particularly the rural sector. Mm. The rural sector, very different to the urban centres in the sense that and this is just from what I've learned over the years, is that the city people, townies and that, want to know the weather, picking kids up, dropping them off, hanging laundry out, and Saturday sports. That's pretty much it. Uh, rural sector, very different. They, they want to know minute details. They want to know, will that temperature be one or zero? And they will grill you right up until nearly midnight about it in some cases. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, and that's great. And so we've found over the years that the rural sector drives my brand. Um, they drive basically, I think, all the weather brands in the country. 
we need to be able to show in a storm what's happening. You know, if a, if a, it's all very well getting the forecast data, it's mm. all very well having that 15 days out and being really accurate. But when a cyclone comes in, like Cyclone Gita did last year, everyone's on the rain radar. That's the only thing that you can really truly see. I mean, you can see the satellite maps and you can see it there, but rain radar is closer to live. And it shows you everything. It shows you where the flooding rain is. It shows you where it's breaking apart. It shows you perfectly where the eye is. Um, in thunderstorm weather, we can track thunderstorms. And the reason why this is so important and the reason why we are working with a company to bring in our own rain radar now is because there is huge demand for this to be built into our app. Back to Murray Boardman. He's worked at both Met Service and NIWA. The real issue that... I'm concerned with is that there are two government departments in New Zealand that are um, forecasting weather. Yeah, they're doing the same job. And doing the same job. And I think that that's a bigger question. And and resolving that question will ultimately resolve the issue um, that the Commerce Commission is looking at about the potential of anti-competitive behaviour, because that can only occur when there are two people competing for the same space. So removing that that, that competition out of that space, you will remove any anti-competitive behaviour. How did that happen, though, Murray? How did it? Because it was just Met Service that was doing the weather forecasting originally, wasn't it? So you have to go back to history. Um, the Met Service formerly was part of the Ministry of Transport because our meteorological sciences were attached primarily to the aviation industry. And still nowadays, the money, the vote from the budget comes through vote transport. So the Met Service was a government department until around 1992. And there was a whole change at that time about the DSIR as well, which ultimately ended up forming the Crown Research Institute. And so one of the things that came out of that was NIWA. And NIWA was given the responsibility of water and atmospheric research. And the Met Service was given the responsibility of forecasting weather. Now, somewhere along the line, no one exactly knows where NIWA got the authority, whether it was provided by the government, the ministers themselves, or was just an internal decision, that they moved into the forecasting space. And that question still remains unanswered, and no one has really sort of clarified that at the present time. But there's been a big report to the government about all of this, so why, why won't someone at the government tackle it? Because they just don't understand the, the issues. Um, and that, um, I'm being quite blunt about that. The reality is no other country funds two weather forecasting services. It's uh, all wrapped into one agency, yeah, is it? One agency. There's still research being done in climatology and forecasting in universities and other um, institutes overseas in different, different countries, and that will always happen. But having two government departments providing a single service is, is strange. It is unique. And my concern, my deepest concern, is that while the Met Service currently is authorised to provide um, public forecasting services to New Zealand and provide storm warnings and storm alerts, that there will come a time, and it will guarantee it is possible that the two agencies could have um, divergent forecasts at a time when it won't be beneficial to New Zealanders. You mean if there's a, a huge storm or some major weather disaster? And it could be quite uh, subtle differences to the forecast that could be um, potentially life-threatening. And I don't think that um, weather forecasting should be, especially from a government perspective, it should have two competing forecasts. Has it um, happened yet? No, it hasn't happened yet, but there's always a possibility once you have two systems, and that will, that will just look bad on the government, and the government should see that as a risk that needs to be managed. So at the moment, there are two 
government agencies that are fully government-funded. NEWA is a much larger organisation than the next level, and NEWA also gets commercial funding as well, so it's not just uh, because they're a Crown Research Institute. Um, the Met Service is predominantly funded through taxpayers' funding. We tried to get some figures on how much the government grants NIWA and Met Service for forecasting, and it's complicated. Treasury responded with a very detailed breakdown, but basically Met Service gets $24 million for a weather safety service contract, and NIWA gets $49 million for science investment contracts. That's nearly $73 million in total, but it's not clear exactly how much is for weather forecasts. Murray says the funding model for Met Service is not an unusual arrangement. Which is similar to the Bureau of Meteorology in Australia and, and the Met Office in the UK that funded one of the taxpayers. But the problem is that there is crossover with the weather forecasting and they are actually competing with each other. They are competing with each other, and I think that that's something that really needs to be um, considered. I've had a conversation with the um, the minister around this, and the response that I received was was a limited intervention, and and the belief that the system was not broken. I think that more consideration needs to be thought about that because of the potential risk of having conflicting forecasts coming up. But I also think that the issue is around efficiency of funding as well. I still haven't had any clarification why having two forecasting agencies in one government is efficient. We don't have two fire services, we don't have two justice departments, we don't have two corrections organisations or conservation departments, but we have two weather forecasting organisations. And the reason for that has not been fully answered. What did the minister say? Basically, she was comfortable with the, um, the current arrangement. What do you think would be the best situation? Do you think that NIWA and Met Service should merge and just be one agency? There are three real options, and these are the options that really do need to be considered by ComCom investigation. But I wonder if they will get this far into understanding the actual nuts and bolts of the issue. So the, the three options are there's a better delineation between forecasting and climate research, and that's possible. It is possible to state that Met Service is the only organisation that does forecasting and that NIWA does climate research. And you can make it quite clear that NIWA can't do daily forecasts, so they can only do seasonal forecasts. The second one is merging Met Service with NIWA. And this was one idea that it was raised way back in 1992 when the Crown Research Institute were implemented. I don't know whether that would necessarily work as well because I just wonder whether that forecasting would become hidden by a lot of other work that NIWA does in terms of its water and other atmospheric research. The other alternative is that NIWA loses its atmospheric research component and that is taken up by the Met Service. And that's actually not a unique scenario. Climate research has been done by other Met Services in the world and in Australia and in the UK. The critical reason to have look at those three options is to make sure that there's a clarity in who's responsible for certain things. And at the present time, there is no clarity. It's basically just a free-for-all. And I think that the government really does need to look at making it much easier for who is responsible for the forecasting. And once you understand who's responsible for forecasting, you'll then understand who's responsible for the data. And then you'll end up having much better clarity about being able to provide data to third-party people that want to do forecasting services like WeatherWatch. Right. So there would still be a place for private operations like Philip Duncan's? Correct. Absolutely. 
and in the open free market, they should be able to exist and they should be able to compete with the government um, services. I'm still not clear, though, on what Philip Duncan's Weather Watch can offer that Met Service or NIWA doesn't. Some people say that forecasting is 80% science, 20% art. Some people say it's the other way around. So forecasting is a very, very subtle science. So people have different interpretations on whether the, a certain weather event will occur, whether it be sh- more showers, more rain, more fine periods. And so there is space for people to have differing views about what the forecast will be. And so because of that, there is an opportunity for people to say that I've got a better way of actually interpreting the data that I can make a better forecast. And that should be fine. So there should be a space for people to do this work. The question is, why is the government having that space? in terms of um, having competing views on the um, weather service. It shouldn't be speaking with one voice. Yeah, it's a, it's a big business around the world, isn't it? It's getting a lot more, and I think one of the challenges that um, with climate change, and this is one of the real, real issues, is that the data that is collected for weather forecasting is actually used to model climate. And so this is a real issue around the data that ComCom needs to be looking at, is that you can't just put a line and say that is only weather forecasting data, and that is only climate data. You can't do that. It's impossible because they're used to do both things. Do you think the ComCom inquiry will make any difference at all? Because it has limitations. Um, My direct answer to that would be no. I think that they will look at putting organisational restrictions in terms of um, data that will be very managerial when the actual solution needs to be political in terms of determining the arrangements of where the forecasting services lie. So it's a policy decision that needs to be looked at, not a operational decision. The, the simplicity of my argument is that resolving the so-called anti-competitive behaviour or the questions around the anti-competitive behaviour of the data will be solved once there is clarity about who actually does forecasting in New Zealand. You clarify that and you basically remove the anti-competitive issue and then the decisions on data to private entities like WeatherWatch just becomes a commercial transaction. That's the detail for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The details brought to you by newsroom.co.nz, made possible by the RNZ NZ On Air Innovation Fund. Hit the subscribe button to stay across the detail every day. And if you're on Apple, please leave a rating as it helps other listeners find us. This episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Alexia Russell. Ka nui tēnei.